Church planting and missions go hand in hand. We are called to go into all the world, preach the gospel, and make disciples. You know, it's interesting that in the early days of the church, they fulfilled this great commission by going out and planting more churches. We start at our Jerusalem, but we must have far-reaching vision to go to the ends of the earth. You know, that's exactly what today's guest did. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Cultivate Church Planning Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kelly, and today I'm joined by expert, missionary, and church planner, Rod Thompson. Rod has pastored and church planted all over Europe in places like Hungary, former Yugoslavia, Serbia, Austria, and soon-to-be Italy. He's currently the founder and director of Cross Culture Missions. It's an organization established to encourage and equip pastors and leaders from every nation, tongue, tribe, and people. Rod is a Calvary Chapel OG, and it was nice to spend some time with him on this episode. I'm also joined once again by the man himself, the executive director of CGN, Clay Worrell. This is a great episode, great conversation, so let's get right into it. Welcome to the Cultivate Church Planning Podcast. I'm Brian Kelly, your host, and I'm joined here today with my good friend Clay Worrell, who's the executive director of CGN, Calvary Global Network. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we have the privilege of being joined today by uh, Rod Thompson, and um, he's, this is my actually, actually my first time. We met yesterday, but yeah. I've heard about you. It seems like everybody I talk to about church planting, about uh, Eastern Europe, um, Bible colleges, you name it, your name comes up. So yeah. it's a real privilege to have you. Yeah, on the show and I've today. heard a lot about you, too. Okay, was it good? or No, I was from Flint, so... <laughs> It's all bad. bad. So thanks for thanks for being with us today and um, got some good uh, topics today. And uh, Clay, you've known Rod for for quite a while, haven't haven't you? I have. Yeah. Rod and I go go way back, actually, back in um, 2006 or 2007. I did an internship with Rod when he first came back from Europe the first time. Yeah. Uh, in Marietta, <clears throat> at the time he was doing the missions department there at the Bible College, and yeah, it would have been around 2005, 2006. I don't know, time is yeah. hard. Yeah, <laughs> whatever it was, but <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so Rod's been a mentor of mine for a long time, and we've been close friends. Okay, give us a brief history of who is Rod Thompson. What have you done? Yeah, so I got <laughs> saved in 1985, Calvary okay. Chapel Costa Mesa. 1990, I moved to Europe. Um, never been in full-time vocational ministry prior to you know becoming a missionary i was involved here in the in the church in you know college and career group i had a nice home fellowship that god blessed but i went over as a plumber to the castle (laughs) originally and then uh, greg opine was sent over to go into baia hungary after the you know collapse of the soviet union so he invited me to go with them I went with him, you know, and to spend a year and a half there. Then from there, I moved into Serbia for four. That was the years. castle that, in Austria. Yeah, that was the home of the Bible College, Calvary Chapel Bible College Extension Campus. Is that the way? It worked? Yeah, it was an extension okay. campus. It, at that point, it wasn't. Okay. It, actually, at the beginning, it was. Um, you know, there were. It, it was just getting started with Calvary Chapel, so it was a conference center. Actually, Calvary Chapel bought it. I don't know, not many people know this. It, it was another ministry that was running it, hmm. um, Alpenland Ministries. And what they were doing is bringing people from Eastern Europe into Austria and, you know, using it as a place to, of a training center. Okay. 
And then, um, so the first summer I worked for Alpenland Ministries when I was there. Right. I spent, and I was, you know, I did everything. There was only three of us on full-time staff, so. A lot of the maintenance stuff? I was a maintenance man, <laughs> dishwasher, chauffeur. A good plumber's hard to find. Yeah, yeah. Glor- glorious start. <laughs> yeah, I don't want anybody to know that I'm a plumber, so. Well, they know now. Edit this out because everybody always needs some plumbing. It's done. true. It's like having a truck. Yeah. You have a truck, it's yeah. like, hey, exactly. can I borrow your truck? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're a plumber. Oh, you're a plumber? Hey, yeah. You clean, you fix my toilet? Yeah. And so, but I did, then I moved to Serbia, Subotica, Serbia. I lived there four and a half years during the Civil War, the breakup of the former Yugoslavia. And then from there, um, turned the church over to a national, and then I took over a church in Spital. Hmm. It was close back to where the castle was. And then the guy that was the director of the castle at that time, who started the Bible College, he moved to New Jersey. Frank Ippolito, still good friends with him. And then um, he asked me to take over the Bible College Conference Center. And that was the beginning of, you know, because I, I at that point in my life, I could plant one church at a time, mm-hmm. you know, but there was such a need. I just felt the Lord put it on my heart that I could multiply myself in the Bible mm. College setting. And yeah. I think that's what ended up happening. A lot of, at one point we had something like 65 to 70 missionaries in Europe that had come through the Bible College yeah. and interim wow. And you had a focus on church planting because you yourself had a heart for that. You're helping these guys get out there and do it. That's exactly it, yeah. Nice, nice, love it. What's the difficulty? I mean, you've church planted only in Europe, mostly in Europe, or? Well, I actually um, pastored when I came back in 2005. I took over the conference center but then i also got plugged into a a church in the in the valley it was predominantly filipino okay and so i, I really connected with the people i, I like the ministry so mm-hmm. um i got plugged in there and then it, you know make a long story short they asked me to take over the church okay so i pastored for some years in the states you're an international pastor church planter mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely four churches four countries four churches four countries nice yeah. yeah i like the sound of that and um you were we're, we're here at the calvary global network offices clay's offices here you guys were talking about fishing stuff what's the story there you're both yeah. fishermen you know yeah, yeah we fishers we, of men or fishermen both okay <laughs> yeah. all right yeah just checking just, just trying to be biblical you know <laughs> Getting our techniques down, yeah. In the in, you know on deep sea fishing that we can apply to, to our, our ministry. <laughs> How many fishing rods? See, I know it's called a rod. Yeah, good job. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you currently have in your possession? I actually have have not counted. <laughs> I think easily over twenty. Yeah. He's he's a better fisherman. I probably only have about. 15 only 15 yeah, yeah that you gotta step <laughs> yeah. up your game yeah man. yeah it's, it's it's the obsession you know there's there's that like addictive personality yeah. that some of us yeah. has and, familiar uh, with that it applies to all things and <laughs> when sanctified by the holy spirit it, yeah. it makes a good church planner <laughs> ron what was your favorite church to pastor sorry i didn't give you these questions ahead of time so all these are just what yeah. what what was your very favorite church well you know um i i had good experiences in all of them 
I think the probably the first one that I you know because I only spent a year and a half in Bayou Hungary, you know, as the pastor of that church, and then um, you know I got called into into Serbia to take over a church, and my friend Paul Lang took over the we were there together. He stayed in Baia. and so I, I had some time there and had a great experience, um, but. We look at Baia as the training ground for us, so we mm-hmm. practice on the people in Baia, the poor people. <laughs> <laughs> and then nice. I went in, yeah, I went into into Subotica, and and God did a special work mm-hmm. in that church. You know, um, God did a, a, I mean, I'm, when I moved into Austria too, mm-hmm. you know, Austria is very difficult, tough ground, but God did a, a, an amazing work in that church as well. You don't speak any of the local languages of these countries. I mean, you probably know some of the... Do you use translators? How did that work? Yeah, during the services, I always use a translator. Okay. You know, I, I Out speak, on the streets, you're, you're okay. Yeah, I can speak conversational in all of those languages. Okay. You okay. know, I can get my way around restaurants, translations, yep. you know. We had Mike Vincent on the show of previous podcasts talking about how he only knew three words like uh, <laughs> taco, burrito, and where's the bathroom. Yeah, exactly, in Spanish when you <laughs> moved yeah, there. Yeah, he moved there, but, yeah. you know, he picked it up along the way. Yeah. Is that, talk about the language barrier. Is that something that is real or is it minimal or? Well, it depends which country. Okay. You know, when we went to Hungary, Greg Opin and I, you know, it was right after um, the Russians we actually got to see the last Russians leave Hungary after the, you know, collapse of the Soviet Union. And so nobody really spoke English when we moved into Hungary. Hmm. I spoke some German, and, and more people spoke a little German, so I can get hmm. s- with some people. But, I mean, there was a severe language barrier. Hmm. Even our translator that we had at the time, um, she had a lot of influence over the people we were ministering to. And sometimes we questioned whether she was actually oh, yeah. correctly yeah. translated. Oh, yeah. Wow. You know, it, 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 it kind of blew up in the end during mm-hmm. that time. Uh, yeah, because yeah. when I was in East Africa, we were in East Africa for 10 years. And in the city, they spoke English, so we got on just fine. Yeah. But out in the villages, we had translators and interpreters. But when we were preaching, we called them interpreachers. Yeah. <laughs> you say like three words and right. then five minutes later and they'd look at you like, okay, what's next? Yeah. What do you want me to preach about next? Oh man. <laughs> well, that's yeah. a good thing. Once we, once we make good relationships, yeah. you know, some of the translators, they made us, you know, sound smart. Exactly. So I was going to say, it can work to our advantage too. But like literally when we would go to a restaurant, we couldn't even read the menu. The only thing we could read on the menu was it said pizza. <laughs> wow. What else do you need? And so we yeah. would we would just point to the waitress's name was Juliana, and we got that far, and we would point to pizza, yeah, and we would say cola, you know, yeah, international, yep. yeah. And what yeah. actually one time I. I I wanted to venture out. I got sick of pizza, so I just kind of did the, you know, random point at something. Oh, boy. And that's I risky. It, and I went to Juliana. Yeah. And she looked at me with a funny look, and she said, okay. You know, she brought me out hamburger tartare with a raw egg over it. Uh, oh, raw wow. hamburgers. So I pushed it back, and I yeah. said, pizza. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rod, I've, I've got a question. So when when you first went over to, to Europe and Eastern Europe specifically, it was— if I'm not mistaken, it, it was really kind of like a second sort of 
renewal or revival happening <clears throat> through Calvary Chapel, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so, well, one, I, I'd like to hear a little bit about that. But then, two, considering you were involved with church planting in the context of a radical move of the Holy Spirit, and now you remain involved in church planting now that things have changed mm -hmm. spiritually in the West, at least. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts just on like the the difference in, in strategy and approach that we have to kind of take now compared to in those earlier days in Europe. Yeah, and I think I think it can be applied to in the States to a certain degree sure. too, because, you know, Calvary Chapel comes out of re revival. Exactly. And, um, you know, uh, when you have that intense work of the Holy Spirit, yeah. you don't really have to concentrate too much on discipleship. I mean, you have just people that are hungry yeah. and they come and they want to serve, et cetera. And um, it's really easy. Sure. But what I've, what I've come to kind of believe and see that if, if we want to raise up the next generation now, yeah. You're going to have to be a little bit more intentional. Right. That there's still people out there that have that call and and the hunger, but you're going to have to take them and, and spend some time with them. Yeah. You know, mm. like even with the, with you guys, I call you guys the dream team because <laughs> you, Josh Black, Dave Downs, Sean Havilar, Josh Transky, Josh Transky, yeah. you know, Brent Ian was even a part of that yeah. a little bit. Yeah. You know, and all you guys have kind of surpassed your mentor. No, I don't know <laughs> about that. But. The teacher, the student has become greater than the teacher. Yeah. That's not true, but we'll, we'll go with it. Smarter, anyway. <laughs> but anyway, that's not saying much. But, you know, um, it takes time. Yeah. And this, this is the way I, I kind of explain because, you know, people always ask me because I, I have kind of mentored so many people yeah. around the globe, you know, been involved intimately in their lives. And so I never knew how to articulate like what I did. I just did. That's just what I did. Right. right. But the way I've kind of come to the conclusion now is that you have, I, I use a kind of psychological thing, you know, nature versus nurture. Mm. You know, nature is the genetic makeup that we receive from our parents. And that's the word of God spiritually speaking right and, and you know christianity we all have the same dna right <laughs> um, pentecostals Calvary chapel but it's the nurture part that we can develop to pass on you know who we are <laughs> distinctly you know in the family of god you know, and so I don't, I, it's not like Calvary DNA. No, we, we all have Christians and we all have the same DNA. Right. But it's the culture and it's the ministry culture that you have to develop that is conducive for, um, you know, raising people up. Hmm. You know, in a lot of times the church culture isn't conducive to that. Yeah. If there's a if there's a culture of fear, like the senior pastors coming in, you know everybody clean up our act real quick. You know, right? <laughs> yeah. It, no one, you know, it, that doesn't produce it. So you, it, it has to be a connection that you have with these people, where they feel safe. They can make they feel safe to make some mistakes. Yeah. 
you know, that yeah. they're not going to get hacked if they make a mistake. Because right. we all make mistakes. And, yeah. and then you coach them through that. And, you know, like the interns and the people that I've raised up, I've always given them a lot of opportunity in ministry. Yeah. But more in a controlled environment. Yeah. You know, other guys that were my peers that I worked with, you know, like with Phil Mesker, Paul Lang, or Mark Walsh, or these guys that were part of our team, you know, I didn't have to, like, when I delegated something to them, I just let them go, right? Right. But when you're raising somebody up, yeah. you have to have that connection and, you know, checks and balances, yeah. if, if you will, so it doesn't get out of hand. It sounds like you're uh, the ministry that you've either adopted or started as a mentoring to church planters to missionaries rather than being that church planter directly yourself yes. you're mentoring these other guys to go out and yeah and that's that, and that was the original vision when i said okay i'll take over the bible college is because like i said i could do one church mm -hmm. but i knew through the bible college i might be able to raise up 10 guys yeah what was that quote church? about dl moody said i'd rather uh put a hundred men to work than do the work of a hundred men or something mm. like that. Know, that's, that's a good, good quote. Yeah. 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 You like that? Yeah, I do. It might have been him. Might have been, I'm just going to quote you. Yeah, I'm going to quote you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's I guess I my permission. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that's interesting, Rod. You know, talking about the, the days when the spirit is just being poured out in time of revival, it's, it's like... Um, things are just happening organically, you know, yeah. like, and, and we hear that when we hear about that, you know, I'm, I'm wasn't around during the Jesus movement. Um, but you hear about just these guys getting saved and hungry for the word and going out and planting churches within months of becoming Christians. Yeah. And, and, and they're like 18, 19 years old. Yeah. And, and, and the Lord was just doing a really unique and special work in that time. It was just like a, a, a you know, years of, of plenty. Um, but the truth is, is that now we're living in a, in a season where it's just not the same spiritual climate. So yeah. it's like, if that's years of, of plentiful rain, we're kind of in a little bit of a drought at the moment. And yeah. that doesn't mean that we're not going <clears> to <throat> seek to, to bear fruit, but it takes a little bit more intentionality is what it sounds like you're saying yeah. in regards to nurturing, in regards to raising up, discipling and, and providing a little bit more structure and perhaps even accountability uh, in that now. Yeah. And it's not that we just throw in the towel and say, well, God's not doing it anymore, but, but we can't assume that the same things that worked in the times of revival are going to continue to work now because we're in a different season. Yeah. Yeah. But for example, when we went to buy a hungry, you know, talking about the outpouring of the Holy spirit, how we, how we really got going there was, um, Greg Opine was walking through the city, right? You know, every European city has a kind of a walking street center. Um, I, I think America is missing something yeah, by not I, having I that. agree with you yeah. completely. And so, um, you know, he just sat down at, by the fountain and he pulled out his guitar and all of a sudden there was, you know, a couple hundred people surrounding. Right. And so he would, uh, he just play some songs and then, you know, he asked if anybody spoke English and one guy kind of didn't speak English, but he said he spoke English. <laughs> <laughs> and so he tried to share, the, you know, what he was doing there. And, and he asked the crowd, like, if we started a Bible study, how many people would want to go? Well, yeah. And they all wanted to come. And yeah. so that really launched us into, uh, we used to do meet twice a week in Baya. We would go to different cities as well and preach in different churches during the week. But um, Wednesday and Sunday, 
and we would actually do two Bible studies. Hmm. He would teach one, I would teach one, because we'd get done teaching, and nobody would leave. Wow. Nobody <laughs> wanted to leave, you yeah, know? Time to go home now. And it, there was such a hunger, <laughs> you know, for something um, real, hmm. something really in, in spiritual. Yeah. After the fall of communism, you know, let people. Mm-hmm. And it was the right time. It was yeah. the right season. Yeah, that's good. As far as uh, talking to mentors, what what's your advice as far as how can we, because I think a lot of us as church planters, we want to get the credit. We want to be the church planter. We want to be the senior pastor or whatever it is. But in your case, you've, in a lot of people's lives, a lot of ministries, churches that have been planted, you're not the name on the door. You're not the person that people know about. What advice would you give to those mentors out there or uh, pastors that have been church planners, maybe they're in a different season, to say, this is what's important in passing on this legacy, this kind of work? Yeah. So I have a lot of guys that always ask me, what is um, going on with Calvary Chapel? Hmm. You know, because obviously... Let's talk about the elephant in the room. There's a couple of different things going on with Calvary Chapel. No. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. And so what I try to always encourage them is, is you just need to find a place where you see a future mm. yeah. for yourself. And so what I would encourage leaders to do is try to impart to the next generation that they have a future. Yeah. Wow. That's good. In your ministry. Yeah. Yeah. In your context, you know, in, yeah. in your, because a lot of guys, they look at what's happening. They don't find, they don't see a place for yeah. themselves. Wow. Yeah. Cause we're what the senior pastors or whoever, the great leaders of the past are holding on. Right. Yeah. Tightly. Yeah. They, <laughs> you know, it's there. It's yeah, exactly. What are you going to say to them, Rod, to get them to let go? Could you get you get the, each finger and, like, pull each finger up off the grip? or? Well, I think what's going to happen is that God's going to take them home. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I don't, I don't think some of them will let go. They don't know anything else. Yeah. And they think if they let go, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go somewhere. But the future is in the, the – I mean, it's just the way it is. It's in the next generations. Yeah. This is, and I believe that, you know, even – I think Chuck probably saw what was going to happen too. He wasn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he, and he always thought that the Holy Spirit's going to work, mm. and in God's, God's work is going to continue. And so let's see where it's going to continue. Yeah, I think of um, Gary Brashears, uh, my seminary professor and so many others in Calvary Seminary Professor nowadays. Um, something he said one, one day that really struck me is he said, the best leader in the room <clears throat> is oftentimes not the guy up front. Um, rather, it's the, the guy in the back or the person in the back with a smile on his face, yeah. you know. Um, and just that idea of, of strong leadership truly is a leadership that is empowering and enable others yeah. to step into leadership that they're called to as well. Yeah. Uh, but that's hard to do because like I started with, it's you don't get your name on the door. You don't get the right. credit for it. Yeah. 
and we secretly want that. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I and like I love it when Clay says, you know, Rob was a mentor. Oh, it kind yeah, of like, it feel good, huh? <laughs> say it again. Say it again. But what here, other good here, things can you say about him? <laughs> but He's here, got a great beard. Oh yeah, yeah, he does. Yep. Working on it. Yeah, that's good. But this, you know, Jesus said, unless the seed falls to the ground and dies, you will. Yeah. You, there's not going to be any fruit. Yeah. And so you you can claim it for yourself and and you know keep yourself alive. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> or you can die. You're going to die anyway. You know, I'm 61 years old. I got, you know, maybe 20 years left. Maybe my granddad lived till he was 90, maybe 30. Okay. But what's going to happen when we're gone? Right. It's interesting in the context of church planting, too, because I, I, I normally hear about it in the context of the local church. The senior pastor doesn't want to let go. It go, drives it into the ground, and then it just disperses or whatever but in the context of church planting it's also it's equally true like church planters who have had success in the past need to stop planting themselves or they have to they're forced to by their age or whatever they have to impart in a sense the word that comes to my mind is the glory of it Mm. into other people's ministries yeah and Every once in a while, they get a little credit. Like, we'll give a little credit here. Right, <laughs> right. the podcast. But for the most part, all those churches and all that ministry, yeah. you're, you're out of the picture, but yeah. you're still, I love it that you're still the influence because of what God has gifted you to do in these different works. Yeah, you know, and I think back to my early days, because when I was with Rod um, in Marietta, I was 21, 22 years old, I think. I mean, I, I think I started my first church plan at 23, right? So... Um, and, and as I was getting ready to go to Ireland with this vision to plant a church, I was, I look back, I was a kid, I was dumb. I was inexperienced. Like, like I, I, you know, it was foolish to think that I would be able to go and plant a church halfway across the world. And I was told that by a number of guys, um, you know, pastors that I looked up to and respected. I I was told by numerous, um, pastors that I sought counsel from like, no, 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 you're not ready. You need to go be a youth pastor for a while or this or that. I felt this calling though, to go and plant a church. I couldn't shake it. Um, and then there were people like Rod and like Brian Broderson and, and, and some others who were crazy enough to say, you should do it. You know, we see this calling on your life. Uh, we believe that God's sufficient, his grace is sufficient for it. You should do it. Let's, let's help you to do it. And, and having the men like Rod and, and Brian, who, who I respected so much and looked up to, that had the faith to encourage me to step out in faith, that gave me so much um, mm-hmm. confidence yep. to be able to do it. And I'm so glad that I didn't listen to... The, the other hundred people that said people who were saying no you're not ready and and the fact of the matter is is i wasn't ready mm-hmm. but god's grace was sufficient he uses yeah. the foolish things of the world to command the wise right and i've got a similar story too i mean um i worked with ray bentley pastor ray that was yeah. on staff at maranatha for a while and but when we were in africa they kind of adopted us as missionaries because we went out without any support <laughs> <laughs> Just, everybody worked out like you said yeah. but i'll never forget we were just i was still a young pastor um, the ministry was tough. God was blessing it, though. And he came over for a mission trip. They did a little crusade or whatever. And we were walking, and he just, I'll never forget this. He put his arm around me, and he said, I believe in you. Hmm. He looked me in the eye and said, I believe in you. You can do this. And no one had ever really, I mean, I'm sure people had said that yeah. about me or to me. 
but just the way that I could tell, like yeah. he really believes. So yeah, awesome. Yeah, and, and 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 the fact of the matter is, is is when when we experience that, that then gives us that point of reference to be able to emulate that, and that's something that I I, I really try to be a good mentor and an encouragement to young called men and women now mm-hmm. yeah exactly it, passing that on exactly yeah. yeah and then that's what we th- have to think about this it's a generational thing like yes yeah. we're pouring into the next generation but by doing that we're we're teaching that generation how to pour into the next generation after them mm-hmm. you know it, it, and my testimony is when i you know um i went over in 1989 to do a little work on the at the castle in austria a yeah. two-week trip and that's where, you know, through a lot, a lot of other circumstances, that's where God kind of got my heart to go to Europe. So I came back, and and then they were going to do another three-month project at the castle. And so Chuck asked me if I would go over and do the plumbing, um, be a part of this three-month project. But I was enrolled to go to the school of ministry here. And if I went on the three-month project, I'd have to wait a whole other year hmm to do the school of ministry mm-hmm. and I, you know, I felt called to Europe at the time, just kind of like you. And yeah. so, um, my claim to fame is I gave Chuck an ultimatum. <laughs> uh, I said in his office. It's like giving the Godfather an ultimatum <laughs> yeah, when right. you walk into the room. <laughs> I got enough, but you can't repeat yeah, exactly. <laughs> I told him that I would go, but he had, he had to send me full time cause I felt called to go there. Wow. And I didn't want to just go for three months and yeah, come yeah. back and have to wait to go to school and ministry. Yeah. You know? And I remember this, this long pause, you know, Chuck is known mm-hmm. for his long pauses and he kind of leaned back in the chair, put his hand behind his head and he, you know, at this point, man, I got sweat that's just shooting <laughs> out of my forehead. Oh no. I, you didn't back down though. No, you stood I, your ground. All right. Know. And he said, okay. Yeah. Well, right. you know, and I, you know, I, Everybody tries to guess what Chuck was thinking. They always get it wrong. But I, my thought was, maybe this kid that's sitting in front of me has something in his heart. Right. And so it was more like, I'm going to join with you mm-hmm. in this step of faith. You know, yeah. he also might have been thinking, yeah, you know, go over there for three months, and you're going <laughs> to you're not going to make it. Yeah, yeah. we're only going to yeah. have to pay for two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I ended up, you know obviously staying there and overseeing yeah. both of the facilities of Calvary Chapel Coast Mesa in Austria and Hungary. Right. Huh. And they came back and, you know, almost died in Marietta. <laughs> overseeing that. You can leave that part of your testimony out. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you now, Rob? I, am, uh, I just came back from Europe. I did another three and a half years in Italy. Wow. At the Bible, they got club. pizza there. Yeah, they, have, they really. <laughs> they don't have pizza here. I've I, heard it's 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 a you know it's apples and oranges. You, mm-hmm. you got to accept it for what it is. But but I came back um, and I'm on staff with the church that we merged our church to before leaving, and I'm on the missions pastor nice. and looking to begin a school a ministry. Yep, it'll be Calvary International Training Institute. Yeah, we're going to call it. Focused on uh, sending missionaries and church planters. Church planters, right? Yeah, you know, like, um, I always wanted to, you know, get a bunch of guys, but I learned that it takes more than a bunch just a pastor. So mm-hmm. it'll be a ministry school. 
Yeah. So whatever yeah. you know, it is that you feel called to do in ministry. Yeah, you're going to equip them. Help equip them. If you yeah. want to be involved in children's ministry, worship ministry, pastoral plumbing ministry, ministry, plumbing ministry, yeah. <laughs> we'll get somebody to teach you because I don't know how to plumb yeah, anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Technology's changed. Exactly. Yeah. Those computer keyboards. Yeah. But everything still runs downhill. That's the only That's thing you really have to know. <laughs> you need to know. Well, my dad's an electrician. He was an electrician for 40 years. Yeah. So. And he used to tell me, electricity is like water. So I feel like I'm part plumber myself. <laughs> you got to think of the... Yeah, just don't How combine electricity with water. That goes right. That was yeah. yeah. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah. So Rod, now you're you're at Reliance Church yeah. with uh, Ted Leavenworth, who's yeah. one of the um, members of the executive team here at CGN as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. sure glad to have you close. Twenty five years of Bible college. You know, um, it's been great, but I I just think it where I am in life. I want to step out of the Bible college mm-hmm. and leave. I call it discipleship one hundred and one. Yeah give people a good foundation for life and leave that to the next generation. When are you going to start the classes, you think, your school? Well, it's, it's going to come in stages because there's a whole bunch of guys in our church right now that are ready, so I'm going to start with them. Right. And then we're still developing when we're going to actually Forming launch. It. Okay, good. Yeah. All right, last thing. What, um, and I ask this to everybody that comes on the, the show, what is the one thing that you wish you would have known then that you know now that would have made things a lot better? Um, I wish I would have known. I mean, there's a lot of things, but there's one thing. I wish I would have known the intensity of the warfare. Yeah, wow. Because, That's you know, good. when you're a young guy and you think you want to become a pastor, you yeah. feel God's calling you to be a pastor. You have this thought that you get to read the Bible, study the Bible, you get to pray. It's going to be cool. Mm-hmm. You yep. know? People are going to know your name. You're going exactly. to go to different countries. Yeah. But the then you, the it, you enter in there, man. And, and you know, if you're not, and that's why, I, you know, I try to prepare guys for a lot of things that I didn't know before getting in there, but I, I just want them to be aware. And I always use the illustration of David, you know, King David, when he was going to go fight Goliath. You know, Saul said, you can't go there. And David said, well, I mean, I fought a bear. (laughs) (laughs) I fought a lion, you know. Uh And and I always think, like, the sheep that he was taking care of, you know, they probably looked at King David up under the tree, you know, right after he gets done fighting the bear or the lion. They don't see, like, this wounds his ex- exhaustion yeah. they just say look at pastor he's, he's underneath the trees you know probably praying to read the bible <laughs> yeah yeah you know but um it's cool that you said that rod because i i actually remember and i don't i don't remember many things i don't have a great memory but i do remember when we were in that season of internship with you um being in your office and that being one of the things that you walked us through and prepared us for was the the spiritual warfare um that would come as we step out in faith, seeking to, to serve the Lord like that. So, so that's a testimony, right? Of, of you learn a lesson the hard way, and then you have the opportunity to, to prepare the next generation to hopefully not learn it quite as hard of a way. Yeah. That's great. I At least it. give them a little expectation. <laughs> it's still going to happen. It's still going to be hard. Little yeah. taste. All right. Well, for those who are listening, um, Rod is part of the uh, Cultivate program as well. So if you're interested in planting churches, especially in Europe, um, he's going to be uh, a resource for that. CultivateChurchPlanting.com. And we're really launching out this year. Excited about it. So um, 
yeah check us out thanks guys for being on thank yeah. you rod all great right. meeting you and hearing your testimony a little bit clay thanks again for being on the show my pleasure all right yeah. god bless god bless Hey, thanks for joining us today at the Cultivate Church Planting Podcast. For more information on church planting or to get involved with the Cultivate program, visit cultivatechurchplanting.com. You can also find us on social media and YouTube at Cultivate Church Planting. We'll see you next time.